being recorded. Better be careful. Um, get it around your neck if you really want to, but uh, we'll leave it there. I'll, I'll, I'll try and leave it there. Um, technology is something I'm not used to now speaking because we meet in such a small. I can just talk and then the my voice just bounces around the room. So I'm going to try and be still. And uh, right, I've got in a bit of habit while I gather myself. I begin my talks now with getting people to talk. So I want you to talk to the person next to you or near to you. Um, if you're not near to someone, I'm sure someone who's very friendly will come and chat with you. I want you to ask yourselves this question. Who is the most joyful person that you know? Okay? So I want you just to chat about that. We're not, we're not playing Sunday school, so I'm not, I'm not expecting you all just to say, to Jesus... Jesus, actually, God, I hope. Don't play Sunday school, okay? Really think about it, have a little chat just while I gather myself, and um, yeah, go. This is always the worst bit about getting people to talk is you don't have to get them to stop. <laughs> now, if your conversations went anything like ours did in the car the other day, and I posed this question to the family when we were in the car, I said, guys, he's the most joyful person that you know. A really interesting thing happened. Martha, my eldest, was like, no one. <laughs> okay pessimist in the car. She's like, well, not everyone is happy all the time. And then you go, that's interesting. And then she said, what about you and you then, Dad? And then I was like, oh, I asked the question. I don't have an answer. <laughs> what an idiot. Um, because actually, sometimes it's really hard to, to define what joy really is. Because what joy isn't is just a momentary happiness. Okay, we need to like eradicate that from our brains. Okay, because if we make joy only a moment about a momentary happiness, then we are stuffed. Jim Carrey said this incredible quote. 
I, he's an actor, if you've not come across his work, brilliant movies to watch if you want to know Jim Carrey's Ace Ventura and The Mask. I'm a 90s boy. I think that everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Life isn't about momentary happiness. So what is it about? Joy is actually about an internal gladness despite the external circumstance. Right? That's what joy is. That's what we, when we want to become a people of joy, it's not just that we are a people that get nice things and we get these nice momentary happiness, but despite what's going on on the outside of life, the challenges and the circumstances, the trials, the tribulations, there is this deep internal gladness that almost keeps you anchored in the wave, you could say. I've been so blessed by getting to prepare about this <laughs> because the reality of, of life with Jesus, following Jesus, is that actually it can be extremely challenging. Whether you are pioneering in church planting, or whether you're just pioneering in being a Christ-centred follower, disciple of Jesus in modern day world, it can be a painful place to be. And my guess is this, for the church, and for those who follow Jesus, things might only get a little bit worse for us. And so it's really important if struggles and pain is coming our way for being followers of Jesus, going completely against the stream of modern day culture, okay, that we are going to come against some stuff. And so it's so important that we remind ourselves of this truth, that we follow a king whose kingdom is beautiful, is unshakable, is unbeatable, and is full of joy. That's the kingdom of joy. The kingdom is the place where the king lives. And so our God's kingdom is one that is full of joy. The Apostle Paul says an incredible thing about the kingdom of God in a throwaway sentence in uh, Romans 14. He says, uh, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Scripture is telling us something. The kingdom of God isn't about external momentary pleasures. And obviously the context of this is, is there's some dodgy stuff happening in the church where people are getting a bit... Uh, head over heels about what you can and can't eat and all that kind of stuff. He's trying to bring us back. The kingdom of God is of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. God's kingdom is a kingdom of joy. But that's not the only proof we have. Look at Genesis 1 and 2. God declares everything as good. Everything. And he declares humanity as very good. Now, if you look on social media, if you look down your high street on a Saturday night at 1am, if you go on social, wherever you turn now, there's very few of us that can say that humanity is very good. Okay? It's really, really challenging times. Really dark, horrible things are happening in our world that break our heart and should break our heart. Things are so messed up that the Bible tells us that even creation itself <laughs> is longing for Christ's return. 
how bad can things really be that even creation itself is like, oh man, I wish you'd hurry up, Lord. Come on. But then you fast forward to the end of the Bible and you read Revelation 21 (laughs) and you see again this beautiful picture of God's kingdom where there is no pain where there are no tears, where there is no evil of this world. Now that's the kind of place I would love to live. Because <laughs> that, I reckon, will, it's going to be a place of joy. <laughs> and so, we see the beginning of all things. There's a king and his kingdom is one of joy. And we see the end of all things. And we see there's a king and the kingdom that is full of joy. So what's changed? The king hasn't and his kingdom hasn't. But the reality is we're living in the in-between. The now and the not yet. And so if you've got a Bible, you turn to Psalm 16 because King David's psalm here is going to be helpful for us. As we think about the reality that life isn't always a happy place. So this is a psalm of David. Now, it's this, it, in your Bible, it probably says a miktam of David. And when I read stuff like that, I'm like, what the heck is a miktam? A miktam is a, is a, is a song that is written in a time of peril. <laughs> ah, okay, that's something... That's something for us to pay notice to there. David writes this psalm in a moment of peril. That means things are not peachy. Things are not rosy for David. This is not one of David's kind of, you know, kick back and relax kind of times of life. Stuff is going on in his life. And then these are the words of his psalm. Preserve me, O God. For in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the lands, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply and their drinks offering of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. And then here we go. In a time of peril, when things aren't peachy and things aren't rosy, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence... Oh God, there is fullness of joy. Fullness. Enough. 
more than enough to satisfy the even the extremest of cravings of the human heart. In God's presence, in God's kingdom of joy, there is fullness of joy. Not just a tiny little wincy bit, but a full, whacking, great big, cup overflowing fullness of joy. That's his promise. This is a wonderful song, wonderful song relating how David found the secret of contentment and great gladness, even in pressing times. So how have we ended up where we're at? We know that after Genesis 1 and 2 comes as Genesis 3. And as humanity turns their back on God, as they choose to go their own way, as they choose to eat the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, they say, all right, Lord, thank you for all this blessing and all this goodness, but actually we think we can go along uh, by ourselves now. We're going to go around. We know you said that, but hey, you know, we're pretty, you said we're very good, God, didn't you, after all? And as they eat the fruit and they give in to the temptation of the evil one, God's good creation, God's good original design is fractured, gets corrupted. And so we live in a time now where actually there's a real separation between humanity and creation and the kingdom of God. It isn't as God first intended it. And therefore we see incredible brokenness in the world around us. And incredible brokenness, brokenness in our own personal lives. We live in between Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelations 21. But we can have joy because we follow and trust in the God of Genesis 1 and 2 and the God of Revelation 21. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And the beauty of God is that his heart never, ever has changed. Throughout the Old Testament, we see glimpses of these promises from God, of how he wants humanity to know his joy. Promises of bringing joy into sorrow. And where sorrow begins to take hold in humanity, God says, actually, no, I'm going to turn the tide here. I want you to know my joy still. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. King David himself, this psalm tells us that it is possible to know the fullness of God's joy in times of trouble. Isaiah 35, verse 10 There's a wonderful promise there. I'll read it out to us. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. What a wonderful promise. The heart of the king of the kingdom 
is for his people to know true joy. A joy everlasting. That's his heart for us. That's his heart for you today. Jeremiah 31. Cracking piece of scripture. Jeremiah 31. Here's another promise from God. Verse 13. Then the shall... Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. This is the heart of God. The God of the Bible is a God of joy. Now, if you used to ask a lot of people out in the town this morning, and across the world, what's God like? I'm not sure that joyful would be in their top five things. I know as a young man who didn't grow up in church, had very little interaction with spirit-filled disciples of Jesus, that was nowhere near my top five. Don't think it would have made my top 100. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why people have come to distance the notion of God with the reality of joy but for too many people in the world outside of the church God is stingy God is grumpy God is cold God is mean but when you look at the scriptures that's not what our God is like he's far from those things and I'd say he's the direct opposite of all those things. Yes, he is incredibly holy. And yes, we need to come to him with complete reverence and awe at how awesome and holy he is. But he is a God of joy. And so I think there is a time for the church that we need to catch up with that a little bit maybe not take ourselves too seriously like we've done in the past and I, and I truly believe this is that as the world deals with the brokenness that we're dealing with they're looking for something that they cannot find the kind of stuff that makes Jim Carrey say you can have all the riches in the world and that still not be the answer. The kind of thing that would bring a couple of 18-year-old lads into church because they see something that they can't get anywhere else. I long for the day when the church, God's beautiful bride, becomes a refuge of joy for the broken world. That's what I long for. Where people come to church because they know that joy is in the room. They know that they're going to encounter something that they cannot encounter anywhere else. A deep, deep gladness that will satisfy the extreme cravings of a human's heart, despite what's going on in their world. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it just be a beautiful thing to hear testimony after testimony. Well, you know what? Life is really hard and really sad, but 
I met a Christian. <laughs> and despite that, they were still glad in their heart. And so I said, well, I want some of that. And so I went to church and wallop. There was the fullness of joy. That's the kind of thing that you could declare as good news. That's the kind of thing that turns the tide, I think. When people start encountering a true living God that is full of joy, that promises to turn mourning and sorrow to joy and to dancing and to gladness. Despite humanity's rebellion against God, his heart remains for us. And for that I am so, so, so grateful. But it's not just in the Old Testament, you'll be pleased to know, (laughs) that we see these promises. Jesus himself had some things to say about it. Jesus, talking to his disciples, John 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 22. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Talking about his impending separation from his disciples forever. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy, take your joy from you. Alright Jesus, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be separated from you. I'm going to die and one day I'm going to send to heaven. But no one can take your joy from you, my disciples. What a wonderful promise. These guys will have lived every day with Jesus and this Easter I've really been trying to imagine what it must have been like to see and to witness Jesus being crucified and brutally murdered on the cross as one of his disciples. Just how heartbreaking that would have been. Not just because it's someone that they knew and they loved, but for everything that Jesus had taught them and that they had trusted in, and yet there he is dying. But here's a promise from him. The sorrow you feel now is momentary because no one's going to be able to take your joy from you. Because he doesn't stay dead. Last Sunday we celebrated the greatest moment in history. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and he's very well. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing we can report to the world. The Jesus that you murdered, he's actually doing really well. He's doing great. He's at the right hand of the Father, still loving us. Still praying for us. Interceding for us. It's a wonderful, wonderful promise. King David wasn't the only follower of God that knew true fullness of joy in affliction. The Apostle Paul himself says in 2 Corinthians, In all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. That's something I want. something not that I only want that's something I need and if you was to paint the picture to your friends and to your neighbours of two possible realities of life one where joy was made possible and one where it wasn't and you go through life on this constant cycle of trying to make yourself happy put your trust in something, it go wrong Try to find happiness, put your trust in something, it feels alright for a moment, oh, it's gone wrong again. And just that hamster wheel of hope 
deferred, making the heart grow sick. <laughs> the devastation of putting your faith in mere mortals and things of this earth and just actually getting more and more hurt, more and more sick, more and more dizzy, more and more confused. Or this reality of knowing that it's possible to know a fullness of joy, joy overflowing in the face of affliction. I know which one I would choose. And I bet if we went out there and asked the first 10 people that we met, what would you rather? I know what they'd choose. I'll have the joy, please. Oh, here's the good news. We can know joy today. Fullness of joy. Why? Because of Jesus. One daughter said, no one. The other daughter said, Jesus. Jesus is the most joyful person because he's the king of the kingdom. John 15, Jesus said this, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. John 17, he says something similar, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus wants his followers to be filled with joy. If you are a follower here today of Jesus Christ, his heart for you is that you may be filled with his joy. What a wonderful gift. What a wonderful Jesus we have. So how can we have it? Psalm 16 is requoted later on in the, in the scriptures. In Acts 2, after the Holy Spirit's fallen and Peter is preaching, he actually quotes this Psalm 16 in his sermon. And I think Acts is a wonderful picture of how we can know true joy, the joy of the kingdom in today's world. We can know joy today by being filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's my simple answer. How can you know joy today? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be friends with the presence of God. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit. And as that, the fullness of joy from God's presence becomes a stunning reality for God's people. But it's not just the one-off. We see throughout the book of Acts the continuous refilling of the Spirit. We have the baptism of the Spirit, where we fill the Holy Spirit, and then ongoingly, continuously, carry on being filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can continue to know his presence in your pain, continued joy, the Holy Spirit, God's presence in and with us. And we see in scripture that one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the fruits in your life from being friends with God and being filled with the Holy Spirit is this, joy. <laughs> it's in his very makeup, it's in his very DNA. 
Now, if you was to think about this in the secular world, if there was someone in the world that you respected and you knew was really famous about something and really good at something and you wanted to know about that thing, what would you do? You'd become friends with that person and you'd learn from them because that's what they're about. And so it's with us. If we truly want to discover more and more of God's joy, the best thing we could ever do is to spend more time with him. Now, I don't mean Matt's just cleared your diary from Monday to Sunday, just wipe everything out and just sit and just say, sorry, everyone, I'm just spending time. I mean learning to, to, to do life with Jesus in our everyday. Taking those moments to be still and know that I am God. <laughs> Being real about the frustrations of your day and just stopping on your lunch break at work, just being like, I could stay in this room and chat with you all, but actually I know internally I need to, I need to go and be with God. Learning to do that, and as we are, again, filled with his presence, and again, filled with his joy, we take something beautiful and precious into the world with us, and people go, hang on a minute, why are you smiling now? We've just had the worst morning ever at work. <laughs> I've just been praying. I've just been spending some time with God. Okay. And then a conversation comes. And then we get to share this beautiful truth with people. That no matter how far away from God you may think you are, you can come to him in an instance. All you have to do is trust in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is who he says he is. We receive joy. We can know joy by knowing God. And the wonderful thing is, that's the gospel, is that he makes himself knowable to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so that's the great hope for every human. Everyone can know joy because everyone is invited to know the king of kings. What a wonderful God we have. <laughs> what a wonderful promise. We can know it today. And one day we'll know it forevermore. The verses of, of Revelation 21. His dwelling place. The for, former things would have been passed away. All the terrors of this world would have passed away. Gone forever. Just as there was one day in the Garden of Eden when joy was all that humanity knew, there will be a day when that is all we know forever. And how did Jesus teach us to pray? Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. When? Today. And so we can have great confidence, friends, that when we are in the throes of life and we feel beaten up and we feel like all is lost, we remember the promise of our King. The God who in Luke 15, with the three parables of the lost things, we see a theme. When the lost things found, what does he do? Celebrates. 
That's the kind of God I want to know. We can know that joy every single moment of every living day. doesn't mean that things get peachy and rosy. Genuinely, I think things are probably going to get worse. But that's okay. Because God remains the same. God is still good. And we can still know deep gladness. talking too much (laughs) so I want us to respond the the beautiful thing about preaching a thing like this is that you go down all kinds of rabbit warrens of goodness (laughs) but we want to not just be hearers of the word we want to be doers and so we're going to do we're going to be doers now so I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes this is a, a practice that we would, we're trying to get better at <laughs> over on Sheppey is at the end of hearing truth and promises of God is to actually respond to them in the moment because it's too easy to be distracted today. <laughs> I think I'm the most distracted man in the UK. I'm distracting myself even now. So let's just focus on the Lord. I'm going to shut up and we're going to be still and then we're going to pray together. Holy Spirit, we invite you just to come now. Spirit of the living God. We take down our walls and our barriers in our hearts, in our minds, and we surrender those to you. Lord, we just pray that you would be transforming our thinking right now that all is not lost that all is not doom and gloom because you still reign supremely ineffably sublime victorious king if you came to church this morning and you feel deeply troubled by something going on in your personal life I've been praying for you this week because the God of these promises the promises stand true even for today and so if you've come deeply troubled and joy is not something that you could say you've experienced much of in the last week I just want to invite you just to raise your hand not to anyone else but just to the Lord to say Lord that's me and I'm surrendering to you today afresh whether you are a believer in Jesus Christ or whether you consider yourself not yet a believer of Jesus Christ but you are deeply troubled you feel all lost at sea thank you Lord thank you King Jesus Holy Spirit I pray I thank you so much for the bravery of our brothers and sisters who are responding to you right now I pray in your kindness in your mercy, in your beauty, would you come and meet with these hearts that are responding to you right now? King Jesus, we pray, let your joy and your gladness come in these hearts, hearts that are troubled, eyes that have been turned away from you by the troubles and the afflictions of this world. 
let eyes be turned back to you. In the name of Jesus, I just pray that you'd fill these brothers and sisters afresh with your Holy Spirit. And as they receive from you, Lord, your joy would come. A joy that strengthens us. We don't claim to understand how you work, Lord. But we understand that when we trust in your promises, you deliver. Because you're no liar. You are good. And so this joy is received now. I pray that the joy of the Lord will be the strength for our brothers and sisters that are responding to you now. That going into this week, they'll be almost like emboldened to run again. To dream again. To laugh again. To face tomorrow in light of the hope that is to come. That the joy of the Lord will be their strength. Holy Spirit, will you come and nurse the wounds Nurse the wounds of every heart that has been hurt by the pangs of this world. Come Holy Spirit. King Jesus, we praise you so much that you are the King of joy. Lord, we praise your holy name that we can trust in you, that we can know joy today. Your lasting joy, everlasting joy, a deep gladness. May that be our song this week. May we join with King David in Psalm 16. May we be a people whose testimony is that of 2 Corinthians 7 with Paul. That in affliction that I faced, I knew the fullness of joy through the presence of the living God. Jesus, we praise your name. Jesus, we are so grateful for the cross. Thank you so much that you have healed the separation of our sin. You have paid the debt of our sin. That means that we can be forgiven by holy and almighty God our Father. We rejoice and we say thank you Jesus for your cross. Thank you Jesus for your resurrection. That you are alive. And with that comes the promise of new life. Thank you that you have made us new. That every believer here today has been made new. We are new creations. Thank you Lord that that's your offer. That we can know a fresh start that by your cross and your resurrection we can be fresh and free hallelujah thank you King Jesus would you pour out your Holy Spirit afresh that we may know your presence every day of our lives and that we would share the good news of this gospel with our friends, our neighbours our colleagues anyone who has ears let them hear we pray in your holy name Amen